Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Doug Haller of The Athletic set to join us uh, talking all things Phoenix Suns. Doug, Bob and Kayla, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing all right. Let's first start here with an overview question, and then we can dissect different parts of this game from last night that led to the Suns falling to the Clippers in game one, 115 to 110. Was it surprising at all to you the start that the Suns got off to, unable to make shots, looking pretty spastic on offense, totally unsettled, a Suns team that had over a week to prep to come out, get behind early, and really have to claw their way out of that? Was that surprising? I think it was. Uh, I mean, I guess if you look at the layoff uh, that they had um, leading up to it, a full week off, maybe you could explain it that way. But, you know, the Clippers were in the same boat. And, you know, this is a veteran team, the Suns are. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant, he's been through this before. Chris Paul has been through this before. Devin Booker's been through it the last three years, or this is his third year anyway. So, yeah, they weren't crisp at all. Um, you know, I just kept thinking back to, you know, <laughs> Eight games with Kevin Durant, uh, sample size is really, really small uh, against some, what I thought was shaky competition. I mean, the best teams they played were, were play-in teams, teams that made the play-in tournament. So, you know, I wasn't surprised that uh, overall this game uh, was close. I would have been surprised if you told me they would have lost the first game at home. But uh, the overall Christmas, Christmas, Christmas of the offense, yes, I expected to be much better. Yeah, I thought they got out hustled too, really from the start of the game on. And you know, Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, got seemingly every loose ball in the game and made you know for a guy that shot three for nineteen, uh, he played the greatest game ever for a guy that made three out of nineteen. <laughs> yeah, there was a lack of urgency. Monty Williams even mentioned that. And you, I mean, when you go up against Russell Westbrook, you know what he's going to bring. He's going to bring energy. And already, just to start the game, the 50-50 ball battle is already tilted toward Russell Westbrook's side. So you would think that would elevate your urgency. But, Bob, it's almost kind of like, you know, I detected it, obviously, last year during the Dallas series, like kind of like we're the favorite, um, you know, we're, 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 con- we're, uh, you know, we're the contenders in the West, we're the favorites in the West. We're gonna, and they kind of acted like that a little bit, I thought, um, which they shouldn't. <laughs> because, uh, obviously, with the way last season ended, this season was just kind of a, you know, a juggling act with so many mixed parts up in the air uh, with the injuries and the changing of the lineup. I mean, they really needed to answer right off the bat and come out. And, it, and you're right. It, it just wasn't there. They did get out hustled. I thought they got out work uh, definitely in the first half. And I think even in the fourth quarter during those important stretches, they did as well. Doug Haller of The Athletic right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, toward the end of the season, we saw Josh Kogi. He was getting that starter minute role. Last night, it went to Tory Craig. He got the start. I know there was no campaign, so that also changed up what Monty might have been doing rotation-wise with the first guy coming off the bench being Landry Shamit. In total, though, the bench contributed 10 points, outscored 34-10. to 10. So what didn't work, or was it just the inability to knock down shots and what adjustments should Monty be making with the rotations for game two? Well, I think there are two things with that, Kayla. One, uh, when, the, when the Kevin Durant trade was made, I mean, the positive was obvious. You're getting one of the best uh, scorers that ever played basketball. Uh, the flip side of that was, well, with all the trades that happened, with all the, the change and the turnover in personnel, you're shortening your bench. 
Um, you're losing your best defender, Mikael Bridges. Uh, and even if you go back to last year, you're losing a versatile, uh, even though he didn't play this year, you're losing a versatile defender in Jay Crowder. So you're going into uh, the playoffs with a shortened bench. Uh, and dating back to last year, definitely your best defender and another versatile defender who could help guard those guys. So I think we saw that play out in game one. Um, definitely the shortened bench. I mean, when you get outscored the way they did, uh, 34 to 10, that's obvious. Uh, and then also just maybe with the defensive versatility. I mean, to match up with Kawhi Leonard, he inserted uh, Torrey Craig into the lineup. You know, that, that has kind of a, a ripple effect. Your bench is shortened now. But I also thought the, the decision to start Torrey was a little bit puzzling because, again, you go back to the eight games, you're building chemistry, you have a set starting five, you have they didn't really settle on a set rotation off the bench. But guys are kind of settling into their roles. And then in game one of the playoffs, you kind of mix that up a little bit. To me, it seemed like maybe they outsmarted themselves. Usually you see adjustments in the playoffs, but it's after, it's after game one. You know, the adjustments come once the playoffs have started. It seems to me that, you know, the, the Suns, who uh, are supposedly this favorite, made an adjustment that kind of altered uh, their starting five a little bit and also their bench before game one, and it just seems to me maybe to be a little bit overthinking. Obviously, I understand that Kawhi Leonard has been playing better as well as anyone in the NBA, but it just seems to start out that way uh, maybe you know, a, a curious move. Okay, so along those lines, usually playoff adjustments are a big deal from series to series. And uh, from games one to game two, what do you think uh, you know, the Suns and, and you know, specifically Monty Williams need to do differently in game two? Well, I, I don't know I mean, so much about personnel adjustments, but they definitely need to find a way to you know, match the energy. And, and you know, it, it was ridiculous there at the end. They, had, they positioned themselves to win. They, they overcame that slow start that we talked about. They were down 16 um, you know, they took control. I mean, really, we didn't even – I haven't even mentioned it, but, you know, going up nine at the end of the third quarter, that was their moment to really kind of, uh, you know, take control of that game. And, you know, with the reserves on the floor, you know, they gave it all back. And going into the fourth quarter, it was even. And then, you know, just that last stretch without being able to grab a defensive rebound, uh, killer in the playoffs. You can't just keep giving teams extra possessions like that, uh, especially a team with, with stars like Kawhi Leonard. And, and Westbrook, even though he wasn't playing well, um, or shooting the ball anyway, but they got to find a way to, to to fix that. If not, they're going to have a real uh, a real problem, I think, uh, in these playoffs. You know, I don't know if, it, if you blame it all on DeAndre Aiden. I know a lot of people do like to blame it on DeAndre Aiden. There was a rebound where it felt like he maybe could have secured the ball better uh, in that sequence with two hands that Russell Westbrook knocked away. But they have to figure that out. And then I don't know if they go back uh, to Josh Okoji, but um, I, I just felt like. You know, Russell Westbrook's energy, the Suns could not match. I mean, they just didn't have a guy on the floor that can match his energy. As you mentioned, deflections, uh, hustle plays, loose balls. I mean, rebounds. Whenever there was a play to be made in that fourth quarter, he made it. Josh has been a guy who could maybe do that. Uh, So do you go back with him and, and see what happens with him on the floor a little bit more? Kevin Durant's stat line after the rough start where he didn't score in the first quarter, 27 points, 7 to 15 shooting, 11 assists, 9 rebounds. That's a fine stat line. But when you're looking at what you gave up and bringing Kevin Durant here, the expectations, I guess a two-part question here, do the Suns need more? And then also, doesn't he need the ball in his hands at the end of the game? Like when you're down uh, three, the ball should be going to Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, I would think that's why you get a player of his caliber. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a tremendous clutch player. Uh, and, you know, even in the fourth quarter, uh, it, it, I think it's getting a little bit overblown, but I think he did, uh, what, he had 10 points in the fourth quarter. But, 
when it comes down to it, uh, with the game on the line, you need you need Kevin Durant and Devin Booker making the plays. And uh, it was a little strange that they didn't go to him, or at least he. I mean, he moved the ball. I mean, what do you have, ten assists? So it's, it's he made the right. He made basketball plays, but I think at some point you need to have him force his hand a little bit. And you know, maybe that's just the fact that he's you know still what just a few months into this with the, with his new teammates. I don't know. But I think that'll probably change here going forward. Now, you know, when you have a player at his caliber, you have to take advantage of it, especially in those moments. That's what he does. Um, but yeah, it was just you know they they had chances. I mean, they they had three chances when they were down one, I think, to take the lead in, the, in that fourth quarter. Um, Chris Paul missed two shots. DeAndre Aiden missed, and, and they were all good, decent looks. They just missed it. Um, you know, sometimes that happens in the playoffs. But I do think, even though with the rough start. Um, you know, with giving up the lead, they still positioned themselves to win and just couldn't couldn't get it done. And, and you know, at home, I think that's the most concerning part. You know, I, some people have said that you know the Clippers now they got they got one. That's all they're focused with, and, and the Suns may be primed for a, a big winning game too. I'm not so sure about that. I think the Clippers have to, with Paul George out, uh, have to every game go out and try to win. And you know, I don't know if this is going to be an easy series for the Suns. Yeah, especially as you you know you, you pointed out, or you know your colleague also pointed out the athletic story that uh, you know the offensive rebounding, uh, you know fifteen to six edge on the offensive glass and second chance points. I don't know if that changes a lot from game to game in the playoff series. You know, it's, there's some effort involved there, but it might be a lot of skill involved there too from the Clippers. Well, when you're talking about those extra shots or the extra offensive rebounds, that's 10 extra possessions. Um, and that, that, I mean, Kevin Durant said it simply. He said, you, you, don't, you can't win like that. That's hard to overcome. And, you know, offensive rebounding, rebounding in general, but especially offensive rebounding, is kind of a, a one-two. It's an attitude. Uh, I think you saw from Chris Paul last night. He, uh, what did he grab, 11 rebounds, uh, made a great play, grabbing an offensive rebound, and then passing it between – a defender's legs to uh, Tory Craig for a shot, but you know they need they did that all the way around. Uh, particularly DeAndre Aiden, um, you know that's that's what he's paid for, and that's what that's the presence he needs to be. So, yeah, if they don't get that fixed, uh, they're going to have a hard time. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard's playing at the top of his game. Uh, I don't see Russell Westbrook all of a sudden getting tired, uh, and the Clippers bench is superior than the Suns. So. Uh, I think if anybody thinks that the Clippers are going to be satisfied going into game two, they're full of Doug Howler of The Athletic right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra points. So when we do flip this to Tuesday, does it simply just come down to matching energy and hitting some open looks and also maybe trying to scheme up uh, the playmakers to be the ones making shots? Torrey Craig was the one that was being forced into the open shots in the first quarter there, trying to figure out how to get the ball more so in Kevin Durant and Devin Booker's hands. For sure. And, you know, I think they need to definitely get off to a better start, not not dig, try to dig themselves out of the hole for the entire game. You know, one of their, uh, you know, when you're playing in the playoffs at home in Phoenix, downtown Phoenix, the football center, the environment is great. I mean, it's a great home atmosphere. And for most of that first half, just about all of it, after the, the first few minutes, you know, it was, it was <laughs> kind of, they were just kind of waiting for the moment to, to really get loud. And it took a while. So the sooner you can get the crowd into it, I think, helps. But, yeah, when it comes down to it, if, if Torrey Craig – and the Suns do. They, they play great basketball. They're going to hit the open man every time. And, you know, Torrey Craig, to his credit last night, he hit open shots. But at, at some point, 
I don't know if they can win with Torrey Craig, you know, scoring 20 plus points. You know, they're going to need uh, their their main guys, and I include Chris Paul in this to to step up and really uh, take take charge. Campaign. Uh, I'm not the biggest campaign fan, but I can certainly understand his value. If he's scoring points, is a very valuable player on this team. The fact he didn't play. Do we know what his status might be moving forward in the series and specifically for game two? No, they've been kind of quiet on that, as you can imagine. Uh, just you know, just being out there at practice every day last week, I, I know that you know when the media is allowed in toward the end of practice and guys are getting up shots, he was not out there. I mean, he was in, you could see him like working in the weight room beyond the practice court, but he was not out there until Saturday. So it, I think we all had kind of an idea that he was probably not going to play in game one, uh, but you know, as far as his availability for game two, I'm not sure. But I do, I do agree with you. You know, he can be, you know, sometimes hit or miss. But I will say about about campaign is that there are times when he comes in with that second unit, and he does provide that spark, and he does provide that energy that they were lacking last night. So I think his return, if he's if that back injury is, uh, you know, if he's 100 percent with that, I, I do think that would be a positive, and you know, because the way the bench looked last night. Uh, you know, they, they need a boost, and he, I think he could probably provide one. We have a poll question here today. How would you rank the Suns' panic meter after game one, uh, losing to the Clippers high, moderate, or low? What side would you be on? I, I, I would it's game one. It's, it's the playoff series. It's game, you know, it, it can go seven games. But I, w- I would say moderate. Uh, I didn't think, I know there were a lot of people who were, a lot of smart people, uh, were saying that, that the Suns would win in five. I, I didn't feel that confident that they would have that easy of a time just because of, like I mentioned, the sample size was not great. Uh, and even in the games that, you know, some of the games that they played uh, against San Antonio, against Denver, minus uh, what, four starters the first night, you know, when they had like 25 plus point leads, they gave a lot of it back. And I know some of that's the NBA, but, you know, during that time, <laughs> the Suns had their starters out there, and that was kind of a red flag. So, you know, I, I thought that this would be a very challenging series, and if Paul George could, would come back at the end, it, you know, it could possibly go seven. But, you know, I felt like the Suns would win just because of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. But, you know, I would say moderate. I would say not so much because of the loss, but because of how they lost. Uh, just the slow start, the lack of energy, and not being able to get, you know, a defensive rebound during the key moments when just one may have won the game for them. Okay, Doug, I got one more quick thing here. I watched the ASU spring football game on Saturday, and I kept thinking to myself, you know, am I learning anything from this? Uh, should I have learned anything from that? <laughs> I have not learned one thing from the spring football game in a long, long time. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, the way it's changed, and no one wants to give out secrets these days, particularly with a new coach. They don't show a whole lot. Uh, but the thing that was interesting to me, Bob, and I, was, I wanted to say I was not out there. I was at Suns practice at that time. But, you know, I have seen videos I've, I've read. And the, the most interesting thing to me about ASU football right now is Kenny Dillingham is not just coaching ASU football. He's, he's coaching the Valley. He's trying to, you know, get I – mean, I know you've heard Activate the Valley, but he's trying to kind of get that fan base say, hey, look, you know, if we're, if we're going to go to this next level, you have to be a part of it. And that, that is true. I mean, the game day atmosphere, spring game atmosphere – that plays such a huge part in recruiting and for Arizona State really to elevate itself as a program, you know, there needs to be more fan interest. There needs to be more passion. There needs to be, uh, you know, more people there for events like that. And I, I've really uh, been interested in how Kenny Dillingham has, has kind of taken that approach. 
you know, I saw a lot of empty seats at the spring game. I, I expect a lot of empty seats. He said he wanted 40,000 uh, fans. Someone should have told him that that was not going to happen. But uh, mm-hmm. that's going to be a process, and I think that's going to be the most interesting thing because you have – you're trying for the first time to bring one of your own back, young, enthusiastic, energetic, uh, all about ASU football, but, you know, igniting the fan base, especially coming off the last couple of years, I think it's going to be really difficult. Doug, as always, we appreciate your time, and we look forward to chatting some more Suns with you down the road. All right. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Once again, he is Doug Haller there with The Athletic.